are now listening to the Melanated Movement Podcast with Tess and Anne. We invite you to take a deep breath, open your mind, and prepare to go on this wild ride. Episode loading in five, four, I just, uh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited with all of the new energy. Um, I know we took a hiatus, you know, like life happens and, and, um, you know, but you know, we're back and we're here. We're every, we're queer. Everything Anne just said. (laughs) I don't want to repeat myself or repeat her words, but I'm very happy to be here and I'm so excited for, for the guest (laughs) that we actually have with us today. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce you all to Chris. Hi. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> Welcome, five yos. How are you? I am good, and y'all, how y'all doing? I'm great. We're all doing right. great. You're doing good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yo, when do we say Happy New Like, when do you stop saying Happy you New Year? You know, I've wondered the same <laughs> thing, you know, as I'm navigating the, you know, the halls of my, this new workplace and everything. I'm like, wait, when is it appropriate to, to like, stop? Like, like, right. When is it, when is it no longer appropriate to say Happy New Year? I think like the first time you see somebody in the new year, you say happy new year. But I feel like if you see people all the time, like, like after the first time, you ain't got to tell me again. Oh, no, I only say it one time. But <laughs> I, I wonder, like, you know, I, after like day six, people start to be like, uh, thanks. Right. Like, the new year started like five days ago. What are you talking about? Right. There right? was a teacher that said happy new year to me today. And I was like, bro, we in February. Though. <laughs> it's been a new year for like, we, we going into like 30 some days. <laughs> Like, now it's not Happy New Year, it's Happy Black History. Exactly. I mean, we do get only one month, but who yeah, are we I to know. complain about? And the shortest it? month of all, you know what I mean? I mean, oh, wait, that's a whole other topic, ain't it? Bro. You know, it is. <laughs> Bro. You know, you, you know the old school calendars for February? You you know what uh, fruit we had on the calendar? Just guess. I, I, Yo, so oh, shit, is it grapes? Yo, so for, like, the old school, like, church, like, Catholic 
type of like calendars that we bruh. in in the month of February specifically was either just grapes or it'd be like watermelons on the vine. It'd be like watermelon on the bottom and it'd be like vines going up like this I tomato crate. You ever seen like it. those um those pamphlets that you get from like those like really like yeah. um religious groups mm-hmm. and if you go to the calendar, like the old school ones, February is just grapes. That is so ridiculous. Is so disrespectful. Like to you? I, I, I never saw that. You actually, I've never saw that. I would say, oh yeah, I got I one at the crib, that. but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I would really like to, to yeah. see to see that no. as well. For real, we should actually go into the archive. It's going to my time machine. I wish I had time machine. Have you seen yes, that thing? Yes, Mooney Love. Mooney Love. Is it Mooney? No, it's Mooney Love. I've been calling this girl Mooney all I know. Is it Mooney? She has a whole interview about how now it's, it's Money Long. Money Long. Have you, I, have you, have you heard the song? Hours no, you know I don't know who that is. Mine. Ours. I can do, do this for hours. hours. <laughs> Sit and talk to you for, for hours. hours. I feel so outnumbered I'm right now. I'm gonna give you your flowers <laughs> <laughs> and some champagne showers. <laughs> or, or the stripping lobster towers. This part is awesome. I like lobster towers. But it's you that gets devoured. Hey. Ooh. <laughs> Plot twist. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you're gonna get hours and hours out on Valentine's Day. That's gonna be everybody's fucking like video for their lover. Yeah. So be prepared. Yeah, send it to me. The song? Yeah. Uh, song yeah, I wanna, be, I wanna be. I wanna be. I wanna be connected. Okay. You yeah. Wanna be, you wanna be <laughs> I wanna be with the cool kids. Are. <laughs> yeah. But I am anyway. Like we're just. <laughs> We're so excited that we got this distracted. This is great. <laughs> like, how do you get three people with ADHD in one room? <laughs> no, and add tequila. Add tequila. Oh, yeah. fun. It's going to be fun, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, okay. that Espelong was, you know, it was great. <laughs> yeah, no complaints. 10 out of 10 would recommend. But, you know, we're here. And it was, I think, the perfect way to just really get us into this groove of just relaxing and not be so stressed about or nervous, you know, about putting the our voice is still there. it's still but you know it's kind of it's like healthy yeah like healthy nerves you know we have our mascot you know siri here breathing really deep you know very hard into this microphone right no, now tell, we're just gonna embrace it okay her. so siri is like seven and a half pounds and nine years old and she's Yo, been she's seven and a half pounds she is seven and a half pounds Can you imagine you looking at a yearbook picture and be like, oh girl i was seven and a half pounds <laughs> when i was 14 years old girl i was seven and a half pounds Oh, I wish I could be that small. I again. wish I could be that small again. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll never red. fit into that extra small shirt again. And then freaking extra, extra small. That's <laughs> like folded up in like your mom's right? closet. And she goes place to place with and never lets go. Because she knows I never let, <laughs> you know I never let any of her outfits go. Bro, in my mom's closet, yo, we have to tell her to get rid of some of her shit. It's hard. Nah, bro. When it's time, it's time. My mom had stuff in there from when I was in high school. Well, listen, I, you know, I respect her dedication and commitment to your bro, growth. That shirt is not going to fit me no more, bro. And no, it won't fit anybody else in the family either. You know, like, like oh, we're going to keep this for little Kimmy. Ain't no little Kimmy in this motherfucker. Like, I like, no one's going to fit in my clothes. So, Chris, welcome to the chaos. Hello. And the wonderful mess that we are. We're embracing it. Yeah. And, you know, it. I don't know how to like transition healthily into like vulnerability because we've just been coasting on the surface. But when it comes to vulnerability, I feel like you have to enter that vulnerable space to get there. Let's see how many. We should do a drinking game. (laughs) How many times can you say vulnerable and not get drunk during this episode? (laughs) (laughs) 
you do. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot to put yourself mentally into that vulnerable spot to yes, talk about I it. Agree. That's why it's like it's kind of hard for me to tap back in because when I was talking about it the first time, I was like I had to like go back into my memory bank and think of like all the shit mm-hmm. that made me vulnerable that I didn't know was making me vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I'm like fuck, I'm vulnerable as fuck, but I'm angry, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of hard to tap back into that, especially now. Isn't it a great thing that we actually already have that recorded? How <laughs> uh Oh, yeah. Your yeah. vulnerable episode. Because yeah, yeah. I don't know if we're quite in the space to really just going to delve into the vulnerability right now. I just want to talk about shit. You know what I'm saying? We're I... like, what are we doing now? Like, <laughs> episode. I think, well, well, you know what? It does, because it took us, like, think about, for our first episode that dove into vulnerability, it took us two stints. So the first time we listened to it, we're like, yeah, that sounds great. And I'm like, no. No. It really sounds very surfacey. We coasted the whole time and then, like, completely avoided getting into the vulnerable spaces. Yep. Right. We yeah. actually did that and then the second time we did it we're like no like we listened to the first go around it wasn't as deep as we wanted it to be so like i understand like the nerves that comes into it and then how you have to be when it comes to like okay i'm going to talk about how i felt at this particular moment knowing that when was the last time you even like felt that spoke way. oh yeah. my gosh it's like you're reliving a trauma yeah almost, kind and of, then sort no, of. And understanding how yeah. you felt that moment, and being yeah. able to verbalize exactly it. and then that's why the ner- that's why i was so nervous like i was like let me think of some fucking subtleties of a vulnerability and, and how it affected me and then at the same time I'm like reliving those same emotions I had back then and trying to be in the space to actually articulate how I felt now it's like fuck I don't know how to put that shit into words mm-hmm. so having to think on the fly was the most challenging part for me talking about it you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and so that was the most difficult thing to fucking do and so without delaying this any further here is uh, the recording of Chris's episode on vulnerability and interracial dating. Let's do it. So Chris, hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for doing this segment um, with us and for us. You have been a listener and a supporter of our podcast. Since day one. (laughs) Yes, and thank you for that. And so we're actually, um, Anne and I actually have taken on this endeavor of going into vulnerable spaces, um, especially as it relates to how we love, how we date, and really with the understanding that we can't do any of that without talking about vulnerability because it is the space that makes makes us vulnerable and so in 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 our episode we talk about um you know dating but also dating interracially interracially sorry and um what that experience is like as it relates to like unpacking like being black being queer and you know just reaching across like genders and and races to to do that so you are a black woman I am. And you have dated interracially. I have. What has that, what was that experience like for you? Hmm. Um, just going back to it, I was in high school. Um, and it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't feel any way. You know, she just, she was Colombian. Mm -hmm. Um, she was white passing green eyes, blonde hair. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, what captured me about her is that she was cultured, Mm. you know, is she didn't make me feel like I needed to understand whole culture. And I didn't put that pressure on her for understanding minds. I think there was a, a a mutual respect for each other's cultures and we were able to blend them together without anybody being affected in any way, Mm. you know? 
Um, so she was the Hispanic chick that hung out with mainly the black girls in high school. I was on the basketball team and she noticed me, you mm-hmm. know, I was, I was her first girlfriend and, you know, obviously she knew I was black mm-hmm. and I knew what she was and we decided to do this thing. You mm-hmm. know, we didn't get any negative feedback. There wasn't, I'm with you for this reason, or she's mm-hmm. with me for this reason. We just genuinely liked and grew to love each other, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't anything uh, a negative impact on my life, and I didn't put anything negative. But what but the challenging part was just meeting her family. I Tell me a little that. bit. So I have. Thank you so much for for sharing that with with me. I I want to kind of go back into what you said. Like she was cultured. Uh, can you can you define? Can you explain <laughs> what that means? I will definitely <laughs> just tell you what that means. Um, she was definitely. I don't know. I forgot the term they said it when you have like. Um, um, they call it perpetrating in college, but in high school was something where you have the Hispanic girl trying to act like, I think it was, uh, uh, I forgot what it's called, but yeah, she, she knew all the latest dances. She knew the vernacular. Um, she knew, um, you know, she just knew how to fit in and blend in without forcing it. Like it mm-hmm. just came natural to her. Like everybody, well, all the black chicks loved her, mm-hmm. you know, her best friend was black. Um, she listened to the music. So she was just cultured. You know, so she didn't pretend to be, you know, black. You mm-hmm. know, it was just something that she was like, hey, I like the music. I like the food. I like the culture. I like the people. So, hey, I'm just going to just stick with it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I would say for her, she got a lot of like slack from her Hispanic fans, or, um, her friends and her family because mm-hmm. of who she chose to hang out with most of the time and who mm-hmm. she chose to love. Mm-hmm. But that's something she would have to, you know, talk about on her own experience. But no, I just, you know, it was just something that just came natural for me. And I'll do it again. You know, so I want, I want to say dating interracially is something that's bad. But I personally just love the sisters. You know, I just love me a, a melanated queen. I'm just, it's, I'm just so heavy on the melanin right now. I'm just, I'm just with that. But no, that was my experience dating mm-hmm. interracially. It wasn't, it really, you know. It didn't affect me as I would say affected some people who have dated interracially, you know, so. Okay. Yeah. You th- Thank you for that. And you mentioned that you, the challenge, you said it wasn't an, an impact, but you mentioned that there was a challenge with meeting her family. Can you tell me about that experience? Yeah. When her mom said little neglita or something like that, I was like, oh, uh-huh. I know what that word means because mm. she didn't un- she didn't speak Spanish she didn't speak English mm-hmm. and so that was the only way she could describe me as Jasmine's um, shoot, as her friend mm-hmm. you know I would say that um, as the the little black girl I would mm-hmm. say I guess that's what that means but yeah so it wasn't it wasn't more so it was a it was it was more so me having to adapt how mm-hmm. Hispanic Hispanic culture is versus my black culture and, and mm-hmm. seeing how they actually function as a family because I'm like these people kiss each other every five seconds like I'm not used mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. you know and and just embracing me more and just trying to be accepted like okay yeah your daughter's dating me mm-hmm. and just you know oh, damn you're gonna make me get emotional now and just you know just trying to be accepted by her brothers her mom and her dad and just you know it sounds it sounds like it it impacted you more than you're probably letting probably but this is the vulnerability right (laughs) this is what vulnerability is right (laughs) this is what vulnerability is so yeah it is and so crazy i think i think we start out by saying well maybe this wasn't like as bad as i thought it was and then you know but we know there's this little hang up that did occur 
that, but but you know it was fine and we're like well what is the hang-up and then as you go into the hang-up you're like oh crap like this is actually making me emotional or this is making me feel this type of way and then you're like oh shit like this is this is this this was probably tougher than I kind of yeah because I'm talking about it it feels like I'm in therapy because it's like you're okay with it at a certain point because it's like, hey, nothing really major happened to me like I wasn't affected like mm-hmm. deeply it's can like, you okay. ex- what, what do like, you mean that when you're saying that it, it, it didn't nothing it didn't affect me deeply or nothing happened because I know people who have been in interracial relationships like, and what has happened okay so I would say my friend that was in high school his girlfriend was Hispanic okay and the family completely you know casting them out they called them all type of names you know because his girlfriend was Cuban mm-hmm. and he's black and you know his dad tried her dad tried to fight him like it, I didn't I didn't have to go through any of that like they would go through they would go in public to movies holding hands and they would get faces mm. um, from people frowned mm-hmm. up and like what are you doing with him and vice mm-hmm. versa with the black chicks to him like what you doing with that white chick you know so I, I didn't experience that mm-hmm. and you know I didn't and when he would talk about it to me I'm like damn you really going through that I, I never had to deal with any of that mm-hmm. I had to deal with more so of being gay mm-hmm. than me dating somebody that's white Mm-hmm. So that's where the issues came in that is me being gay, us being gay in high school and queer and kissing in the hallway and getting those looks. And what about from family? What do you mean? So you mentioned like navigating the family and being accepted. So was that was your desire to be accepted was coming more from the space of I'm I'm queer or I'm you know, I'm gay, just to repeat to reflect your language. I'm gay. I love their daughter. Do- I love their daughter, sister and I want to be seen as like this person who just you know happens to love their you know their um their family member yeah. or does it was it also what is was it also pertaining to like your race was it was it a combination of both like what was your biggest challenge then? well I think it was more so my race than anything because okay. I think at the time I wasn't introduced as hey mom this is my girlfriend or hey mom this is the girl I'm dating it was more hey mom this is my friend Mm-hmm. Because she she wasn't open or out yet to her family. Mm-hmm. It's more, hey, I'm bringing this black girl over more than usual, mm-hmm. you know, but she's my best friend. So we, we weren't out to her family. Mm-hmm. So it's more navigating the space of me being black mm-hmm. in a Hispanic household that are, that aren't used to black people being there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and damn, she don't speak no Spanish either. So, you know, it's like trying to understand, hey, are they talking about me? Hey, are they talking about me? Well, they mm-hmm. may look at you with a side eye, but are they talking about me? Mm-hmm. So it was more so of that, just being black than anything of more than being gay mm-hmm. or, or queer. But I would just say gay. But yeah, that's what it is. That was the issue for me is my race was more of an issue than it was for me being gay. But in high mm-hmm. school, in the public eye, it was us being gay than the actual interracial thing we were doing. So, so that's what it was. That okay. was a challenge. Okay. So uh, thank you for sharing that. I'm just, I'm I, like, I'm processing so everything backwards. that you're... It's so backwards. I, it, it is. I, I mean, it's, it's not, I don't think it's so much backwards. It's just, is like this, the, the re, a reflection of the reality of your time. I think that, you know, being in school and the environment that you might've been in, like being out wasn't as like accepted let alone embrace as i would say it is today right you're talking about you know high school which has been you know which about several years ago so i think that it makes sense it makes sense that you know in the space where you are navigating the halls and like kissing you know kissing another another girl and all of that stuff and just having that not be received very well right in the hallways in the school setting but then going home 
you don't know whether it would have been received well because you weren't even introduced as her partner, right? You were, or mm-hmm. her girlfriend, you were introduced as her really good friend who happens to be hanging out all the time. And so the only really, like the only thing really they might have had to like base any sort of bias or whatever on was actually a race. But I'm wondering like, had the relationship been forthcoming, right? From your girlfriend at the time, like if it would have just been an addition an additional thing like in in addition to the race now we also have to navigate this gay stuff too yeah it's like a double whammy huh what you call it that i i mean maybe maybe it is a double whammy but i just i find it very interesting because i i have done the same thing when it comes to like issues of oppression right where and race where i like okay um, I think I might have experienced microaggression in this particular space, in this particular circumstance. And I then like kind of go back and I like minimize it because there are people who have been, you know, who have been very overtly discriminated against and, and things where their safety was impacted, their physical integrity was impacted. They were physically harmed by those like by that same oppression, by that same system. Right. Except I experienced microaggression, but my physical integrity remained intact. So I minimize the situation that happened to me for the sake of other people who have gotten it worse. And I kind of hear and I could be wrong, but I kind of hear a similar theme from what you just shared, where you like, you know, you started out by saying like it didn't impact you very much or that it wasn't it was it didn't affect you because of the stories that you've heard. But in you describing it and even getting emotional at some point. It did affect you. Yeah, I guess. I guess it takes for you to actually talk about something and hear your words and hear mm-hmm. what you're saying to or for it to register. And like, damn, it really had some impact on me. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess talking, that's why therapy helps mm-hmm. when you talk about your experiences and when you go through, because sometimes you're kind of blind to them. Mm-hmm. And then you may take it because you're not affected physically or mm-hmm. you're not affected emotionally that, hey, okay, I didn't go through that. You know what I'm saying? It's like the right. black experience. Yeah. Just because I haven't experienced racism and you have, I can't take away your experience. Right. You know, and I guess that's what it was for me. Mm-hmm. You know, now that I'm actually talking about it and we're in, and I'm getting a little vulnerable about it since <laughs> we're on the topic. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess it did affect me more ways than one that I, I, I didn't see. And I guess you, you, you know, you bringing that to light has made me look deeper into my relationship with her to say, damn, I, I guess I was affected at some point, mm-hmm. you know, so I appreciate you for, for, for giving me that and for giving me that window for me to see, because I wasn't seeing then. Oh, wow. How it, uh, how it affected me Yeah, more than I'll know. I, I tend to know? dig and I'm yeah, so sorry. I see, that. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. I do tend to dig. I, I do dig. I, I'm trying to, like, I, I was trying She's to, trying like, to pull it out of me. I'm like, <laughs> <"God> damn, Tess. <laughs> I, I, I try to scale it back a little bit, but then when I see it and I see that, like, you're, like, circling, the, like, circling that, like, that, that. Like, I'm deflecting? That, yeah, kind of, a little bit. Yeah. It, it was so much deflecting, I guess, more just, like, I'm trying really hard not to be vulnerable right now by telling you that it was okay. But I'm like, but it, it's kind of contradictory to what you're saying, because on one hand, you're saying that it was okay, but then as you narrate further, it wasn't so okay Mm -hmm. so like which one act like which one is it and i know that it is the former like it wasn't okay Mm -hmm. and so like trying to like get to that point and if i'm wrong i'm wrong but you know i wasn't in this particular case but it's it's okay and i and i think that that leads perfectly into this question that i have for you which is like what does vulnerability mean to you and how has that impacted 
maybe in retrospect, maybe even like, how do you think vulnerability has played a role in navigating this interracial relationship and maybe even all aspects of dating in general? Well, I'm gonna get off topic about dating interracially and just talk about vulnerability for a minute. And I think it's kind of difficult for me to even navigate my own vulnerability because I was like, for the longest I've searched to what vulnerability means to me, because I have a difficult time opening up to my partners, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I still struggle with it. It's still a constant battle. I mean, if you ask um, my person, I'm still struggling with that, about being open and stop being so hulkish. Like, it's okay to say something bothers you. It's okay to say you're hurt. And I didn't grow up like that. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't. We, I didn't grow up expressing my feelings or grow up saying, hey, you hurt me, or hey, you know, I know we fought and I miss you like crazy, but I'm going to pretend like I'm okay, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's still something I struggle with. So for me to honestly say, hey, Crystal, what does vulnerability mean to you? I honestly don't know because I'm still learning it. Mm-hmm. I'm still, and at 29 years old, you would think, that you know as adults we have this thing together when it comes to love and vulnerability but we don't we think we do but we don't and I think you touched on that earlier in Mm -hmm. your podcast where you think you can communicate well you think you open up or you think you're okay with expressing yourself but you're not Mm -hmm. you know and it's it's okay it's it's okay that you don't have it together or you don't have your own definitions of what love and vulnerability are you know it's okay and I don't know Mm -hmm. I don't and I think that's something that that comes with experience Mm -hmm. you know as you date as you love as you grow then Mm -hmm. you'll get an understanding of what it means to you Mm -hmm. and how you can use that to navigate your own relationship with not Mm -hmm. even your partner but your family because I think we have a one-sided way of what vulnerability is Mm -hmm. just in your partner Mm-hmm. But then we have family issues. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we go through the the family that you don't open up to your mom or your brothers or your, or, or your cousins or whomever it is. And you don't tell them how you really feel. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we have this division within the family. Like nobody wants to talk about anything. Everybody just wants to push everything under the rug. Like it's, it's OK, but it's not, you know. And so that's what I think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is that it's hard for me to open up to express my feelings, you know, when I'm hurt, because when I'm hurt, nobody needs to know I'm hurt. That's something that's closeted specifically for me. Nobody needs to know that. And then, you know, when you date this person that tells you, hey, it's OK to open up. I'm not going to hurt you. All. I'm not going to throw your 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 insecurities or your vulnerabilities in your face. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, just just on that. So it, it takes a while. You know, I'm not there yet, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm working on it. I'm uh, I am working on it, and yeah, it's tough. It's tough. So I I love that. I think that that a lot of time we try to precede ourselves with responses, even when we're not ready to provide one. And so, like you know, asking around, like, what do you think? What would vulnerability mean to you? I honestly truthfully just like expected expected for you to like stumble into some sort of like you know half-ass definition of what that is (laughs) and for you to just have the just the strength and the vulnerability actually um to say like hey i haven't defined it yet like i this is how i've navigated you know spaces in the you know in the past is how i'm navigating them now this is the journey i'm on is admirable just being able to just say like you know i i don't i don't have a full-fledged definition of that yet it's just how important it is really to just kind of lean into the trust that someone can catch you and can open and can create that safe space for you to right, be vulnerable. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Because I can be vulnerable with you. You know, I can say, hey, Tess, oh, or are you vulnerable with me? If you're going through something, I'm there. You express your emotions to me. But when it's vice versa, it's like, well, who's going to catch me? I can't catch myself. Right. And I quote that from somebody. <laughs> And I quote that from somebody, but yeah, it's just Mm -hmm. being, 
you know, knowing that there's someone there for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to always be the stronger, the bigger person all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's okay for you to want to cuddle up in a corner and cry and knowing, hey, somebody's going to walk in the room and be there for you. You mm-hmm. know, you have that person and knowing and trusting that you have that person is something that I've struggled with mm-hmm. because of, of times that my insecurities and my vulnerabilities or my triggers have been thrown in my face, you know, mm-hmm. before, you know. So it's just being comfortable, being okay, and just knowing that there's somebody there for you. That's that's what it is. And so now mm-hmm. that I, 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 I know I have that person and we've been talking about it and I, and I feel like it's, it's easier for me to open up now because mm-hmm. I trust her, you know, and and we've had moments together, you know, so we were growing together. You know, we both thought we were okay on the vulnerability side and the communication side. But when you have someone that makes you grow in uncomfortable, com- in, in uncomfortable ways and having uncomfortable conversations, it's like, oh, shit, yeah, this is this is the person who is going to challenge you regardless. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I, I do have a follow-up question about that. And I'm going to let you go, I promise. I, I was thinking, as you were talking about, like, vulnerability being that one-sided view, um, well, viewed as this one-sided uh, phenomenon or exercise, and, and, and how, like, it's different with, like, family members and friends and things like that. It really has me thinking about, like, how much the expectations of always being tough and always being able to take on the world without complaining, without feigning, without anything like that was like paramount, like in my own, like in my own upbringing. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, and you mentioned like, you know, not being raised in a household where it was necessarily told like, Hey, like, you know, just, just feel it out. So how much, how much of learning of vulnerability and practice of vulnerability at this age, like how much of that has been influenced by specifically your family unit so you're like your individual upbringing and how much of that do you think is rooted in the collective what that is like black people our own like folks <laughs> and this expectation that is placed i think upon us as black people particularly black women black femmes right in taking on the world's like hardest situations the hardest challenges the, the, the hardest shit and still look unscathed and unaffected and unimpacted mm-hmm. so what like how much of one of versus the other has it like you know i seen an instagram video not too long ago i think i was wrong i'm not sure i seen an instagram video and this lady was like we need to stop the whole strong black woman narrative because it's mm-hmm. destroying us like it's okay for you to be vulnerable it's okay for you to express yourself it's okay you don't have to be strong all the time like you don't have to hold everything together you can let some of that go Mm. and i think culturally you know i don't want to just bring every black person into this but the most most black people that i know culturally we have a problem expressing ourselves Mm. we have a problem going to therapy Mm. you know we don't we don't talk about stuff we sweep things under the rug like and we just move on you know the next day like nothing happened because I grew up like that Mm -hmm. you know it's never how it affected you you know you just you know you got a beating but it's like you never knew what you got a beating for you know it wasn't explained to you like you knew you did something wrong you did something wrong with beating you but it was never a talk out Mm -hmm. you know and I think that affects you as a child growing up now you're this adult because you never had a chance to express yourself as a child so you don't know how to do it when you're an adult 
And it's like, well, shit, man, I don't know how to navigate these. But I know I'm angry. I'm really angry. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to channel it or talk about it to anyone because I'm mm-hmm. just so full of rage. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so you, it's like, okay, well, you, you try to hurt the person who hurt you, one. Mm-hmm. Or you just pretend like you're okay. So you walk around with this big chip on your shoulder. Like, nothing affects you. Like, hey, I'm just macho, macho, macho. Or you go hulkish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody will call me like nothing bothers you and that's not okay it affects you so deeply because mm-hmm. now when shit hits the fan you go buku nuts mm-hmm. you know and that's because you you've never had a, a chance or opportunity to express yourself growing up mm-hmm. so um i think for the most part how our childhood is shaped how our childhood is shaped by our parents and how mm-hmm. you know they talk to us and, and when we get in trouble or expressing ourselves or saying um what's the whole thing that black people don't go to therapy or what's the other one you gotta help me out with this one Tess with the, with the, with the black uh, families and how they are I mean there's just so many things <laughs> it's like, black, it's just like, like black God people damn. don't like don't cry like black people don't yeah, like, yeah there's just so many especially different when it comes versions to the of men that. and my brother like mm-hmm. it's, it's worse on them honestly mm-hmm. you know they got it I feel like they got it you know the worst especially with him crying and showing emotions yeah. and vulnerability when it yeah. comes to the black man it's just oh my gosh it's like how dare you mm-hmm. you know but um yeah for me i didn't start to be in tune or in touch with my my emotions until my mid-20s you know and so it's not something i had to really look through growing up because like okay well i did this i get beat i don't talk about my feelings or they don't talk to me about hey listen you do this mm-hmm. the next time this is what happens you know that's not something that i got you know mm-hmm. it's just like and so that that affects us. And so, yeah, you, you get issues as an adult with, with, with talking stuff out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you get emotional uh, filming the podcast. Like right now, like to yeah. me, trying to, yeah, it's, it's tough. Great. <laughs> I'm trying to hold it together. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, I think that the way that I, I'm able to translate that, what you just said is the culture of the collective impacts the culture of the family unit. And so, like, whatever has been, like, on the larger scale, like, has, like, filtrated into the family dynamic, which then shapes the way we view, see, interpret, and express ourselves well, I think it's world. a generational thing as well. Absolutely, You know, it's yeah. passed down if you want to say the of collective, course, but it's a yeah. generational thing. It is. You know, it's like That's how true. my mom was raised, how my grandmother was raised. It's mm-hmm. like, it's just, just passed down until somebody's mm-hmm. able to break the cycle. It's like, right. hey, listen, I'm not going to raise my kids that way. I'm not going to beat my kids mm-hmm. just because they're being kids. You know, you mm-hmm. just have to let kids be kids, you know, and explain to them the consequences of what they do instead mm-hmm. of just beating them and be like, okay, well, they understand. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it's a generational thing that needs to be stopped or or ended with me mm-hmm. personally when I do have kids and you know just being able to let my kids you know express their emotions or express what they're going through and just you know having them be suitable adults and able to express themselves when they get into adult relationships mm-hmm. instead of me trying to find myself at you know 12 and I'm 25 but I feel 12 emotion wise because mm-hmm. I don't know how to express myself and then you know I have this this person with me and I'm like well shit you know I'm raging inside because I'm upset and you hurt me but I don't know how to tell you that you know so that's what that is yeah. Chris I thank you so much for your vulnerability I honor yeah. the space of just discomfort <sighs> that um we just stepped into got some church up in here today <laughs> This is, this is a tough one. I didn't expect all this. Well, listen. This is, Tess cuts. Listen, Tess gets deep. I'm like, well, damn. I thought I was going to say some surface area shit. And you just, <laughs> golly. 
Yeah, this is he, a, yeah. Yeah, I just, but you did it. And, and I you, tried, you I tried. You did it. You, you, you had me with, nervous <laughs> up there. <laughs> well, you, you, had, you, you had grace and poise and, you know, you, you stepped into that discomfort. And I am, I honor this space and I honor, like, your oh, vulnerability you. as you're learning. I appreciate it. To be vulnerable. Damn, and, aren't and we all? On aren't this we journey. all? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Aren't I think we all? I definitely realized, like, how much, like, full But I have a question for you before we go. Okay, what I is it? I know you're hosting, but I do. What's your definition of vulnerability and what does it mean to you? Oh, man. I'm, I, I kind of defined it a little bit earlier, but like to me, it's just complete nakedness. Mm. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's nakedness with the insurance, um, however blind that, that assurance is that, that you are going to be okay. Like, it's, um, it's truth. It's nakedness. It's um, it's being just like raw and exposed. I think mm. you you said something about exposure, emotional exposure. emotional exposure, emotional exposure. Yeah, it 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 is. I feel like you know at least you know I you're still on a journey and you haven't quite defined it yet, and you already like know that it requires this like level of emotional exposure. So I'm very excited for you to like <laughs> like get to like I don't think. I don't even think it's finite, right? I don't think like you get to like a set point. You're like, okay, I have defined and conquered the, you know, the definition and understanding of vulnerability. I think it's this ever evolving thing because I think it's the same way that we're like, oh, self-care, 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 self-care is going to do it. But then we're like, oh, wait a minute. But like, okay, self-care is great and all, but it's only like scratching the surface of what actually is needed for us to be okay as a as a people as an individual like as a as humans right we mm-hmm. need communal care we need community we need co- we need all of those things included mm-hmm. and we can't get into those spaces without addressing the root causes of why we're kind of in this chaos to begin with mm-hmm. so i think it's the same thing like you already i feel like you've already gotten to that space of like defining it in such a good way and i'm evading my own vulnerability definition <laughs> as, as i'm doing that uh, but okay. yes okay. nakedness okay. um definitely like being able to like uh, like just embrace the the fall hmm. i think and vulnerability there's gonna be someone to catch someone there to catch you right? and the thing about it as well i think that it goes beyond that i think that is embracing the fall hoping rather than knowing because you don't know that's the thing that's what makes it a vulnerable thing because you don't go into your car hoping that you know it's going to drive to the next destination no you check the gas and then you make sure it's like you know you got in you not you got enough you know you got enough fuel to make it to your next destination like if you the things that don't require vulnerability come with certainty mm-hmm. i think vulnerability really takes root in the uncertainty mm. and 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 hoping that someone will catch me but also taking on the risk of not getting caught at all and just falling and busting my lip all over the floor and being okay with that and, and doing it anyway in there when we we you know we're vulnerable with someone and then you fall and then there's somebody there to catch you yeah. and the person that you hope would catch you is no longer there you know, yeah. but throwing stuff from the balcony at you while you're falling, mm. you know, and just making that Oof. impact even rough. You know, that so was a very good metaphor. I really like that. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's what it was, because I've been there, you know, mm-hmm. where you feel like, you, you know, you fall and you're open to this person. But then when you fall, there's blunders and rocks being thrown at you on the way. Like, hey, take this while you fall, you know. And so that's 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 what happened to me, I guess. That's why I'm like so closed off and showing emotion because I've been there. And I think experiences shape 
your definition of what those words are, mm-hmm. you know, with vulnerability, because it varies person to person, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's why I have yet to discover what mine, my definition is, because I've, I'm still sealing those wounds off mm-hmm. or, or, or being healed from that fall mm-hmm. that I took so deeply from past relationships. So mm-hmm. I guess that's what it is. That's why I haven't fully assessed my own definition of what vulnerability is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's what it is. So... I'm just going to take a shot in the dark and say that you have defined it before and you do have a definition, but that definition may be just repressed or just kind of compressed deep under the rubbles of people throwing the things at you on your mm. way down as you fell yeah. before. Yeah. And that can be very difficult to be like, all right, fine, let's get back on the saddle and just do it again. Mm-hmm. And part of being vulnerable is getting back and doing it again. And we do that every time, you we know, do. after a heartbreak, we, we do, do it. And But then how much of that do we do? That's like the part. Because the thing is, like, we're going to fall regardless. Whether we're going to get caught or we're going to bust our lips, we are falling. The fall is... I will have to say the fall is inevitable. Yeah. But I think vulnerability steps in when we actually want to be authentic and develop a true connection with the person. Because people can be in relationships and date all day. But are you going to actually get to the level of connection that you can achieve where authenticity lies mm-hmm. without being vulnerable? Yeah. You know? That, that nakedness. Right? Yes. That nakedness. Absolutely. <laughs> the nakedness, yeah. yeah. But I, yeah. I'm just, oh, this was great. <laughs> I feel like this is a whole other <laughs> podcast, but um, I'm yeah. just really excited the that you're here and that you just like okay, let's just do it. Let's just jump right in. Let's yeah, be vulnerable. You definitely and put talk the mirror on me today. Like it's for you expose some things that I thought were buried <laughs> or or I, I completely forgot about. And then when you talk about it, it's like yeah, those are still there. Yeah, it's not going nowhere. <laughs> so yeah, I, I thank you for having me. I thank yeah. you for shining a light on some some deep-rooted issues, you know, that I haven't picked up in a while. And now that I have rediscovered that, I'm like, okay, well, you need to work on that. But it's fine. You know, it it's, it's okay it with is. being honest with yourself. And I think Absolutely. that's what most people lack is conviction and being honest with yourself. So, hey, thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Tess. I appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you. It has been um, a pleasure. And Always. I appreciate it. And um, thank you for listening. Always. (laughs) And um, I will see you on the other side of the mic. On the other side of the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you to Chris for coming once oh, again. Man. Bring like, the comforters next time. Exactly. Big of course, facts. Of we bring course, the tequila. Of course, you bring the food. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got to say thank you guys for having me. You guys are doing a wonderful job up here. Um, thank you. You know, being open and, and giving the people a little bit of yourselves oh, each you, and every episode. Oh, we're not. You know, I know it takes a lot to get up here and be open and be honest and be vulnerable. So just thank you guys for having me again. And I look forward to the next conversation. Yes, thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. This has been? This has been the Melanated Movement Podcast with Tess and Anne. Thank you for listening and come back next time. Until next time. Bye.